So back in biblical days, there was this great quote. The sins of the father shall be revisited upon the sons. And so that's what we are going to keep in mind today as we examine baby boomers. You see, many people are unaware that one generation really affects the outlook, the perspective, and how another generation feels about themselves in the way that they parent them. A generation will parent the generation that comes after them in the way that they wish they would have gotten attention specifically. So we're going to look at baby boomers, how traditionalists specifically influenced baby boomers, what are some of their big stories that creates their narrative, that creates the way they see the world, and then we're going to step back a bit and look at the values that really shape the baby boomer generation and how they have come to experience the world. So first off, let's get a little bit more information about those baby boomers. Who is in the baby boom? They they speculate that it's folks that were born anywhere from 1946 to 1964, 65, roughly. So getting a sense of that baby boomer generation, that's the age that we're looking at. 46, 64, 65. You can always fudge these numbers a little bit one direction or the other by two, three years. But then we start kind of moving into another generational pattern specifically. So uh, knowing these years aren't necessarily direct, more so they are kind of like a way of understanding things, how to really put together an idea. So again, 64, 65-ish, uh, there's gonna be some stuff that the late boomers have in common with Generation X specifically, and I'll be recording both podcasts on baby boomers and Generation X today. So I'm not gonna have as much stuff to talk about in my my personal life so know that that's part of what we're looking at again this the baby boomers as far as the total percentage of the population they represent 26.2 percent of the population some key events that really shaped their lives the surge of births after world war ii they experienced a very robust economic expansion because of the fact that after World War II, in a global economy, we weren't really competing with anybody else specifically because of the fact that a lot of them were rebuilding after World War II. And we were some of the very few countries that didn't have to experience a lot of rebuilding and that we weren't really affected in the same way. Television was a huge part of this generation's experience. We'll find that the civil rights movement is a big part of what they experienced. They wanted to fulfill really what they thought the human condition or the American dream was, not just for them, but for all people specifically. The feminine mystique, the Vietnam conflict was a big part of what shaped this generation. Woodstock, the Watergate scandal, and the U.S. and USSR start limiting nuclear warhead testing. They did grow up in the atomic age, and that's a big part of what really affected them. When boomers were asked about what makes their generation unique specifically, these are the, some of the things that they say about themselves. They feel like they have a great work ethic that sets their generation apart. They feel like they're respectful. They feel like they were raised with a sense of values and morals. Um, the fact that they're called baby boomers, you'll come to find baby boomers feel very special because more attention was heaped on them than any other generation prior. 
and they feel like they're smarter. That's funny. You're gonna look, every time I talk about a generation, they're gonna list, they feel like they're smarter. Now, how do baby boomers see themselves in the workplace? They feel like they have a strong work ethic. They feel very competent. They're ethical. They have the ability to handle a crisis and they are willing to take on responsibility. So again, when we look at boomers, boomers have always been kind of seen as like they're so big, like there's so many of them and there's been so many of them and now there's so many of them and they're really the ones that are in power currently. And so when we're looking at some of these folks, like there's a lot of um, stereotypes against baby boomers specifically because of the fact that they're one of the bigger generations. They have a lot of representation. They tend to vote quite a bit. So when we're looking at baby boomers, uh, they can sometimes feel like the elephant in the room and they really see themselves as special. So baby boomers were told they were special from the time they were babies. That as well as the sheer size of their generation makes them very confident. And that confidence can at times come off as arrogant specifically. But you won't understand the baby boomer generation or know how to work them unless you understand why they were told they were special. Because decades ago in the baby boomer generations or decades, they were more than special. They were magical. You gotta remember, this is like the Tinkerbell, Wonderful World of Disney days. These are the folks that uh, were came up with songs like When You Wish Upon a Star. Uh, young baby boomers grew up in the most optimistic time in American history specifically. And here's part of those reasons why they're so optimistic. They feel so special. That's why they feel the world has this magical quality. They grew up with their grandparents and sometimes great parent grandparents because of the fact that technology was evolving at a time in which they had the opportunity to live longer because of the fact that technology and healthcare was uh, increasing at such a great rate. And so mortality didn't affect them in the same way as that did the traditionalists. Penicillin and vaccines eradicated long-standing health threats. These are things that happened throughout their generation. The world was primarily at peace when they were kids. Uh, television constantly marketed to, captivated, as well as attempted to entertain them. This is something that happened to no generation before this, ever. Nobody thought to entertain kids. Kids were supposed to be working. They were supposed to be their, busting their butts on the farms. The fact that someone spoke to this generation as well as marketed to this generation is a huge shift and part of the, really what affects the way they see the world. The post-war economy boomed and there was also a middle class that prospered like no other. And so again, when you're looking at like middle classness or this idea of fitting in or competing, uh, these are some of the things that really drive some of the folks in the boomer generation. Families had the time to take long vacations. They would drive across the country in two week long vacations in their car over the summer because they could afford cars, but they couldn't really afford to fly because at the time flying was incredibly expensive. Boomers also grew up believing in a world that was theirs for their taking if they chose to work hard, stand out and put their nose to the grindstone. But that's only if the Russians didn't blow them up specifically. So these are some of the things that really affected that generation. Now we're going to take a deeper dive and look at some of the stories that really shaped this generation and how they think and feel about some stuff. So the first thing is the boom of babies. Never in American history had we seen a population growth like this. Their population like busted out. When we look at this generation, there were Traditionalists got married at a significant younger age, about 20 years old for women and 22.5 years old for men. 
And when they came home from war, they were looking to settle down, to create a family, and they were really sobered by what they had seen overseas. So they were very, very serious about building a society that was strong enough to prevent future dictators. Here's some of the things that happened next. Hospitals weren't ready. Uh, newlyweds could afford to have babies right away because of the GI Bill, and veterans were able to get education as well as housing, which caused an immediate surge forward in economic opportunity as far as the baby boomers having the economic opportunity to do a lot better than their traditionalist parents had. Uh, extra beds were pushed into nurses' lounge because so many babies were being born, they didn't have enough beds. Having a baby in the nation's war madhouse areas by military bases or industrialized areas were shocking because there's just babies everywhere all over the place. Schools weren't ready. The Census Bureau did not expect the boom to last, and so a lot of students had to share two to three students at a desk in order to just get the education because they didn't make a significant change to the education infrastructure to get ready for these folks. The first words, wave of baby boomer grammar school kids sometimes had to compete just to get a seat at lunch. They would not always get a spot on the little league team and when they did get on the little league team they had to be good in order to play. Like there was no just participation stuff. There were so many of them they can be seen as special. They had to compete for stuff and you're going to see competition specifically as a value that really drives baby boomers specifically. Colleges weren't ready. Colleges and universities didn't have enough faculty, enough living spaces for ballooning enrollments. Fortunately, the presence of fraternity and sorority houses provided more places for these folks to stay. However, this also formed the notion of like Animal House or Revenge of the Nerds. These are things that we saw with boomer folks because they were living on their own like at a time when they didn't have the same type of responsibility. Uh, they were the first generation to really move into that delayed adolescence idea that I talked about in the traditionalist podcast. And so understanding this was a big part of like what makes them feel so collective, how they feel so together. Uh, when boomers act like workaholics, you have to remember these overcrowded hospitals, these grade schools, these sports teams, the job market, they were not in demand. There was plenty of these folks, and only the best got to play. And when you did get to play, only the best got a trophy. So boomers come across as domineering because they're used to having to speak up and yell to get heard. The sheer size of their generation uh, made them the center of attention. They would reshape markets, they would reshape businesses, politics, every stage of their lives, and they reshaped childhood. Smaller families also meant that there was more focus, more attention paid to these children, and their parents invested more attention into that group because of the fact that they weren't working, they weren't out on the farm, they weren't uh, in a space where they were needing to all work on this family-run business called the family farm. They were invest, able to invest more time with them. They had more leisure activities. They were invested more with education and stuff like this. So again, when we're looking at the baby boomer generation, they're reshaping retirement too, because they don't plan to retire. Boomers expect, think that old age and begins at 79.5, which is about two years later than the expected life expect, expectancy for people. So boomers have always felt special. They have always felt powerful and they have always lived in a world where institution and advertisers had to reinforce this notion by adjusting to please this new burgeoning market. 
Another story that really affected baby boomers was that of affluence. For the first time, a generation reached the point where most folks no longer had to just worry specifically about trying to find food and trying to find shelter. They had the opportunity to really have the financial means to explore the world in a way that hadn't been done before. Because the war wasn't far on American shores, factories and transportation systems were put in place, most of it directly right after World War II. So when you look at the highway infrastructure system, the electric grid, uh, you'll start looking at colleges and universities, the growth that happened at that time, the economy really boomed because we were in a space where we didn't have to fight back and claw our ways back from the, the decrepit war area. Almost overnight, that political slogan, a chicken in every pipe and a car in every garage was coming true over and over again. So this ghost story, this like story of affluence is one of the boomers distinguishing values. They didn't have to worry about survival. They didn't have to worry about self-sacrifice or sacrificing for others, right? Affluence strengthened the boomers focus on themselves because parents didn't need to have a lot of different children. As a result, the boomers were the first generation to be raised in an era that were that taught that people were special. So they were special. Affluence funded this focus on self as well as this optimism that made the boomers growing up years almost magical in a way. Boomers didn't have to save money in the same way that their depression area parents had to. The economy was booming and they were confident there would be enough money to be there when they needed it. So only about uh, 24% of baby boomers have saved more than $40,000 to get ready for retirement specifically. And we're going to see that as baby boomers start retiring. They're going to really, really need social security and I also think that's going to be one of those things in the future that really have us later on focus on immigration because we're going to need more workers to help these folks as they get older and they need more assistance another thing that really shaped them was television when john f kennedy was assassinated they saw it together they lived through that stuff real time because it didn't matter matter what channel you were watching it was on every single channel it's one of the things that they saw and noticed their prior generation had connected with their president roosevelt over the radio specifically but there's something about seeing stuff seeing images that make folks connect to experience that have more of a sense of a communal experience because they don't imagine things they see things and so when they see things specifically they're having an idea of different pictures in their heads as something's happening so when MTV like launched their channel in 1981 with photos of the Apollo 11 moon landing, they didn't have to explain what that was. That was all seen basically by the same generation over and over again because the ubiquity of television and the access to television as well. Boomers grew up in households where the average television set was on six to eight hours every single day. Baby boomers have viewed between 12 and 15,000 hours of television specifically now generation x grew up with a ton of different channels on cable and millennials with hundreds not to mention with making up their content on their own but more video is uploaded on youtube in a month than the big three television networks would have broadcast in the past 60 years so understand that ubiquity of experience that ubiquity of content really had a big difference in how 
this generation felt about things. So today, a thousand people could be watching a thousand different things on TV or internet, but the boomers grew up with only three major networks and everybody really watched the same thing. It's hard for Generation X or Millennials, who grew up with so many sources of information and entertainment, to grasp how, how powerful only three channels were for boomers. So Gilligan's Island might have been like the corniest stupid show in the world, but they all watched it and they all could connect to it. So they have a much greater sense of generational cohesion maybe than other generations do specifically. Another story that really affected this generation was the generation gap. Parents in the 60s didn't really know what hit them. Their children were living a better life than they had ever could have imagined in that they were in a safer democracy space, living in suburban homes and provided with educational opportunities which abounded. They listened to rock and roll, they grew their hair long, they spent a lot of time with their friends and not with their family, which was something that was really shocking for, for traditionalist parents to experience. To deal with specifically. After generation after generation struggled to try to keep their said kids just safe, fed, educated, healthy, free, traditionalists were finally able to give all of this to baby boomers in a bow called the American Dream. And to their shock and disgust, those kids pretty much rejected it. Traditionalists couldn't believe what they saw with educational attainment because they also saw the rise of drug root use teen pregnancy, crime rose, 40% uh, of boomers said that they would be better off without their parents, right? So you're seeing this great rejection of their parents and their parents' values at home specifically, which was interesting in how that stuff played out later at work. Traditionalists had no idea what the suburban lifestyle, what affluence, what education would do to children, and how it would cause a shift in thinking and mindset that was so different from past generations. Social forces really started pulling these generations apart. The move from farms to suburbs in World War II sped up this new subculture, this new time, uh, developmental time in a generation called the teenager. There's no word for teenager in traditionalist language because a teenager was just someone that was basically a young adult. They had a lot of responsibility. They were getting to this place where they were more and more responsible. They could take on more and more things on the farm. And so that's why you see them marrying at like 22 and 20 because they were used to this responsibility. They were used to this growing need for being able to do these things. After World War II, marketers started focusing on this new population that was no longer dressing, dancing, or buying things in the same way that their parents had specifically. This also made it so boomer kids had many different sources of influence outside of just their families, as well as just the values that may be passed on from family to family. Suddenly, the home was one of only many places with influences that were now competing with teachers as well as the family now we've got media we've got peers really starting to affect things in a way that their parents had never seen before traditionalists moved to a space where there was more education in college and university and so they learned about ideas like george washington never really chopped down a cherry tree or thomas jefferson did more with his evenings than just write down the declaration of independence they learned that they were slave owners they learned more political nuance at the same time, they're also starting to see how Nixon's Watergate scandal like, happened to them in their living rooms. They started questioning 
authority in ways that their parents would have never done before. They had the information that led them to question things that their parents had never doubted or even taken a second time to consider. So understanding how this stuff happens really affects the mindset in ways other generations hadn't. They found significant changes in values. Uh, first, moral norms, sex, authority, religion, obligation to others, all completely shifted. Also looking at social values like money, work, family, marriage, also shifted quite in a different way that really made this generation view the world in a different light. Their parents were really irritated with their children and they thought maybe this is just a phase and maybe they'll, they'll grow out of it because they didn't understand how they could have such a profound shift from self-sacrifice to this idea of being concerned with themselves as well as self-fulfillment. So this is the first generation me specifically. And it's funny, they also say, they say that millennials are the first generation me. Uh, no, it was really the boomers that were the first generation me. They had songs like Do Your Own Thing that lasted for like 19 minutes and it just said do your thing over and over again specifically. Uh, so it moved a gap from one generation to the other where they started doing their own from do the right thing to do your own thing specifically and seeing how that really changes this notion from duty to find out who you are and really fulfill yourself made a really big change. Since they had the time for this self-exploration, they started exploring more sex, they started exploring more drugs, they really got into rock and roll culture, uh, they really kicked back against the asking to sacrifice during the Vietnam War, because it seemed as though the institutions that were asking them to die didn't have their best interests at heart specifically. And so baby boomers are really still shaped by the value of self-expression. They value youth because keeping fit and staying young provides the vitality necessary to continue pursuing meaning as well as self-fulfillment long after they retire. Their optimism and high expectations gave them uh, more of a sense of idealism uh, and a little bit more of a sense of pragmatism as well. Boomers weren't rebels against core values of a democracy and free enterprise as much as they were opponents of anything that got in the way of them having the ability to have a sense of self-expression specifically. They value communication, they value understanding with their children, and that's really what shaped the Xers as we'll explore a little bit later this afternoon. Uh, boomers value being cool a lot more than their parents did. They listen to what their, tell, their children tell them to. So if a uh, baby boomer comes out and their children say, don't wear that, they'll go back into the closet and change because they don't want to be seen as unhip or past the times. Now the latter half of the baby boomer generation didn't have the same level of optimism. They almost had a little bit more of an Xer experience because of the fact they experienced some different stuff. They didn't grow up with like Leave It to Beaver or the Mickey Mouse Club in the same way. The second grave grew up during Watergate, the Arab oil embargo, stagflation, cynical comedy shows like Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In or Maud, and as a result, Many second wave boomers feel left out of particular typical portrayals of baby boomers in the news. Now the second wave of boomers did grow up with the same belief uh, in their potential, the same belief in the American dream as the second wave, but they did lack that sense of optimism or magic that all problems would be solved if they only were smarter, better, or tried harder specifically. You see, the second half of this generation had to live with the doubt that maybe 
tomorrow wouldn't be as good as what yesterday was like. And so when Little Orphan Annie is singing tomorrow, these guys are a little bit more skeptical about the United States as well as their future possibilities. And so they responded to these threats and their optimism by not putting aside their emphasis on the self and returning to self-denial or self-sacrifice, but moved more towards a conspicuous consumption headlined by the yuppies. The yuppies, for those that don't know, um, which is probably like most people at this point, are young, urban, upperly mobile professionals. The name of the game was being the best, buying it, owning it, using it, eating it, wearing it, cooking it, driving it, doing whatever it was with it, being it, being the, sense, the center of attention, competing and trying your best specifically. So rather than live up to great expectations, these boomers turned towards self-exploration and building a better world by out-competing everyone else to get a bigger piece of what seemed to be a shrinking pie. The second wave of boomers was a little bit more choppy than the first wave. It flowed over the rocks on its way to an ever more distant dream. And these rocks created the big ghosts that will affect Generation X as we'll explore. It seems as though for this group, when Tinkerbell had the magic fairy dust, there wasn't enough left for this group specifically. So again, when we're looking at the story for this generation, it's special is really the word that really makes a difference for them. Instead of resenting boomers' sheer numbers and therefore a more dominant place in society, it seems as though Generation X or Millennials would be far wiser to take time to really consider how to speak the generation's language specifically. Other generations have to do what the boomers did, what they asked the boomers to do for them, and understand why they think the way they do. Every generation has had to figure out what they're doing, where they're going, and what to do with the world that the previous generation handed them. And like every other generation, boomers are seemingly reacting to expectations placed on them by previous generations. Something that started with magic and pixie dust ended with boomers experiencing as cracking optimism or um, commitment to understanding meaning. And so we're going to look at these values, right? So the last part of what we're going to do in the podcast is really looking at the values of what shapes this generation. So again, self-fulfillment is something that really makes a difference for this generation. Uh, they also value competition. They like competition a lot because they're used to having competing, whether it be the optimistic first boom group because they have to compete to stand out, or we're looking at the more cynical second boom group they're really in a place where they have to compete to stand out or they have to compete for it seems like a smaller pie because it seems like tomorrow is going to be a little bit worse than today was. And so when they fight for those things, when they stand out with their conspicuous consumption, they do that in a way because they're reacting to the way the world was. It was never really about rebellion or long hair. They started their generation wishing upon a star and they really never stopped. This massive generation have challenged and reshaped the world that we live in, and they're going to continue to do so for decades to come. So when we look at competition, we look at shared experience, this is something that means quite a bit to this group. And so that's going to be uh, something that they're used to, right? They're a generation that we're used to paying their dues, right? This is the first generation that had to deal with that sense of delayed gratification. They're the first generation that had to experience that period of delayed adolescence, right? They were the first generation to have a teenager experience where there was other influences, right? So again, 
They're listening to the media. They've been marketed to specifically. They care about one another and what each other thinks of one another. They don't have the same values of self-sacrifice or having to challenge for things or, or have to deal with waste not, want not. Because there was plenty. Not only was there plenty, there was tons. So they don't value scare. They don't understand scarcity. I mean, they do understand scarcity and that they have to compete for things and that, you know, it's really difficult out there to compete as a baby boomer. So understanding the idea of competition is going to be something that really, really makes a big difference for them too. Understanding how they really love shared experiences and connecting across shared experiences makes a big difference for them. A sense of optimism is going to be something that really shapes this group too, because they grew up in a world where things got a lot better. At growing up from, from childhood to adulthood, the world did improve. You didn't necessarily have to have an education in order to live the American dream. You could afford to work in manufacturing specifically and still have enough money to buy a house and send your kids to college. That's the world baby boomers grew up in. And so these values pervade into the rest of their life and as part of the way that they shape and see the world. So understanding these values and their value drivers and what that means to them is gonna be a way that we can connect with them by understanding what motivates them specifically. So they're individualistic and they value individualism. They like to be seen as individual people. They want to create time and space for people to be them best selves. And you're going to see that, how that works with the second half of this generation and how they raised the first millennials specifically. Because some of millennials were raised by specifically baby boomers and some most of the Generation Z was raised by Generation X. So you're going to see how this kind of comes out with folks. Millennials tend to be a little bit more optimistic than Generation ends up being later on. But we have to need, know and understand these value drivers if we're going to really work with them in a way that helps us understand these folks. So that being said, that's what I got about baby boomers specifically. Now, baby boomers, um, remember, the first half has a lot of different experiences than the second half do. And in order to really understand what's going on with them, we need to understand that they're gonna, like the older ones, maybe a little bit more optimistic, maybe a little bit more Pollyanna-ish, maybe more, uh, and both groups are gonna really want you to fight and earn for what you get. So knowing that stuff is really gonna make a really big difference for us and how we connect to and understand them. So in review today, we talked about who are the baby boomers, what generation they are, where they came from, what era they grew up in. We looked at the major stories that shape their narratives, how they think and see the world specifically, why uh, the experiences that they had helped and helped to shape and help them see the world in the way that they do. And then the last thing that we looked at is what are their values? What are the things that they went through as groups that made them think and feel the way that they do? And what can we do to work with them and their values? So again, when we're talking about folks, we need to understand that uh, it's funny because I think people don't think baby boomers uh, care about civil or human rights. That's not necessarily the case. The civil rights movement played a really big role in this generation's experience and we can speak to those civil rights days where they were standing up and fighting for one another or we can speak to the rise of the feminist movement to really help them uh, move them towards inclusivity or to fairness again we might have to help them not have to see the world in such a competitive way uh, we might let them see that maybe we're better together but we need to find ways to connect with them or speak their language in common experiences because we need to feel like they need to feel like we're part of their group in order to really be moved so 
Pivoting, we're going to talk a little bit about the podcast. The podcast is going pretty well. We've been seeing a lot more downloads lately. lately. Uh, there seems to be a renewed interest in inclusive activism specifically. And so in the past couple of weeks, we've seen hundreds and hundreds of downloads. Uh, and so things are really kind of peaking at an interesting time. In the near future, I'm going to be doing a, three more podcasts on generation stuff specifically. And then I'm going to be looking at checking in with Native Nation again. They called me and asked if I would podcast with them again. And so we'll all pack into this room and chat again and tell stories back and forth. I hope you enjoy the opportunity to get to know them. And we'll talk a little bit more about what the script looks like. Uh, what does the indigenous experience look like in Arizona? Uh, Sarah and I are still working away on the podcast. Again, it's on Spotify now, which is really cool. And we're able to use a secure server, which really makes a difference with us connecting to Apple Podcasts. Remember that those rate and reviews do a really big deal for us. So if you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, if you can tell us a little bit about what you're thinking and feeling, that makes a big difference for us. Sharing the podcast goes a long way to make a difference for us being seen. And so that sharing may be happening. I don't really see it on social media. Maybe it's person to person or maybe it's folks Googling us and finding us. But again, something's happening because I'm seeing a lot of stuff happening specifically with the podcast and its growths uh, as well. And so uh, checking in on my activism specifically, it's not, I'm not going to have a lot more to add uh, other than things I've got scheduled because I think I'll be doing a lot more activism related stuff next week. But I'm going to be catching up with Ben with Poder in action to look at some of uh, the things that we could do with some of the problematics we're seeing with police here in Phoenix. I'm getting together a TEDx at Phoenix College in which we're going to have some great speakers. I'm auditioning speakers right now, so I can't really promote that stuff yet. I'm still doing some of that proactive rest. Uh, I'm looking at getting into doing some more service, and so I have some service learning that's scheduled in uh, my COM263 course at Phoenix College, and I'm really excited to see how the students respond to the call of doing some service learning just kind of getting ready for the spring semester that's really the biggest thing that i'm doing because i think over the course of the semester is when i do a lot of my activism work i'm going to try to find ways and spaces where i can give folks uh, the opportunity to have a megaphone to talk about issues that affect them maybe that'll happen at tedx specifically i'm not sure but it's some of the things i'm looking to and planning in the future as well so for self-care i have been doing great with self-care in the past week i've gotten five days at the gym which has been awesome. So I've gotten some lifting done there and has gotten at least 15 minutes of cardio done. I don't know if it was every day, like, so it's not six days. I think it's me. Well, no, it's probably six days because I went and did some speed ladder stuff today with my cardio. Really proud of that because I'm bulking right now. And as I gain more weight, God, it's really hard on my heart. Uh, and I notice as I do those cardio sessions because man, it starts like not racing, but it's just harder because there's more muscle to pump more blood to. And so my heart is in a space where it's really adjusting to that stuff, which I think is probably long-term really good for my heart specifically too. Uh, meditation has been really good. I think I got four days of meditation in the past week. So that's like beyond what I would hope for. Uh, one beyond what I would hope for. But I'm really thinking about looking into an app, which will be my recommendation of the day because I might need something more than just the regular forms of meditation that are passively coming to me. I think I need to follow more of a specific guide. My 579 breathing is okay. I need to probably do it a little bit more intentionally at night. Um, how about this? Why don't we do some 579, four, four, seven, eight, four, seven, eight breathing with me right now, all right? So then you can get some in. All right, so inhale. One, two, three, 
four. Hold one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Slow exhale. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Inhale. One, two, three, four. Hold one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Exhale. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Two more. Inhale. One, two, three, four. Hold. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Exhale. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Last one. Inhale. One, two, three, four. Hold. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Exhale. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Congratulations. If you did that with me, you have cued your parasympathetic nervous system to calm down and slow down a little bit. You're going to be less reactive. You're going to be more calm. You do those things, we're going to be practicing that non-reactivity that we talked about when we were ready at AF for 2019. So I'm also on top of eating better as far as my meals. I want to say I ate six pretty clean meals, right? So I'm on top of my eating and I've been intaking more protein as part of my bulk. And so I think my bulk's going to probably be pretty clean by the time I'm done with it too. I'm planning on cutting away a little bit uh, when we look at like maybe mid-February getting ready for March because I'm going to be playing flag football and I don't want to be sucking wind while I'm out there. Let's see what else. I'm taking my supplements, which are really good. I have set up some meetings with people that I'm caring about. And so I feel like my self-care is really on point. I got three days of reading in last week. Again, that's kind of one of those things I'm struggling with, but I'm committed to working on. And so I'm looking at trying to really get a little bit better with that. So with that, if this podcast made you think of something or you have a question with me or you want to talk about these generational stuff, I'd love to talk to you about that. You can email me at inclusiveactivism at cox.net or you can send a text and voicemail to 860-576-9393. Again, that phone number to text or email is 860-576-9393. That's a great way to get a hold of me and create this pace uh, where the podcast is a dynamic form of conversation and i really love to have the opportunity to have that uh, that conversation with you and with that as always if you're interested in booking me or anyone in this organization to be a part of bringing the power of inclusive activism to you you can always reach me at inclusiveactivism at cox.net you can call me and leave a voicemail at 860-576-9393 or you can learn more about me and this organization at www.inclusiveactivism.com and with that be well be non-reactive and make a powerful difference for others.